Bucknutters. It is Tuesday, October 8th, 2019. I am Dan Rubin. This is the Bucknuts Morning 5 and Change. If it's Tuesday, that can mean only one thing. Dwayne Long joins us from the capital city of Columbus. Dwayne, a tad crisp there, huh? Uh, it's, it's hard to believe. This time last week, we were uh, pissing and moaning about it being too hot. Now, turn the heater on, uh, heat on this morning. Yeah. For those of you who want to live in all four seasons... The state of Ohio is accepting applications. Who's not accepting applications? That's the Ohio State coaching staff. Another impressive job, in my opinion. They ultimately overwhelmed Michigan State in the shoe on Saturday night, 34-10. to 10. You had a long view after the game, as you all want to do. Now you had a couple days to sit on it. Your general thoughts of the game and where the team is at right now. Well, you know, um, looking the next morning at uh, headlines around country. I have a news feed, and I uh, uh, drive my wife crazy doing what she calls news hounding when I I uh, just read through stuff. I, I need to know what's going on. The, the thing that really jumped out at me is how we were looking at it as just a nice, solid win, and I saw the national media talking about dominant. I saw that word, blowout, uh, you know, a couple other terms that just say how badly Ohio State crushed Michigan State, and it just shows what we have come to expect from this team that a 34-10 to 10 win over one of the better defensive teams in the country, uh, and we could have scored more points, it just showed uh, how how dominant this team is, that that, that kind of uh, uh, win that the rest of the country was – just saw as a dominating win. We were like, yeah, that was a solid win. <clears throat> the other thing that just, you know, how well we ran the ball. You're just not supposed to run the ball against Michigan State like that. And and uh, we could have ran the ball uh, and just won the game that way. Uh, you know, I thought Fields had really just made his best game, even though it was his first of turnovers uh, against that kind of defense. He was still making uh, sound decisions and doing the right thing and, and making accurate throws and uh, making the best decision on when to run and when not to. And, uh, you know, it was just the best team we played this year. There's no doubt about it. And uh, we, we handled them pretty easily. I do think one of the reasons Michigan State as a program may not have a, t- a lot of national juice, but defensively they're considered you know, a mainstay. And so to do that against them made a lot of noise nationally. And for anybody who watched the game, that was not a 34-10 game. There were three or four plays that could easily have gone the other way. My guess is if Ohio State gets two early turnovers like that against another team, again, they have a, more likely to have more than three points after that. That game could have gotten away from them tremendously at Michigan State. All right, let's – Obviously, things are very good, so when we point something out that's maybe not so good, it's not nitpicking, we're just trying to get a total sense here. Right tackle. They started Joshua Allaby, he struggled, they brought in an injured Brandon Bowen instead of uh, Nicholas petit Frere, and they left Brandon in there for a while, even though he was limping around. 
there's not many other issues with the team right now, personnel-wise. Right tackle is a little bit of a concern. This has always been your specialty. Let us know what you think. Well, I, I think we also have to look at uh, uh, who we're up against. As Alabi had not been struggling before, you know, uh, he had a really good end of the season last year, played some left tackle. Uh, I think that before we completely write it off that, okay, well, uh, uh, this is why he's never started before. This is why uh, he's a senior and he's never been anything more than a spot starter at best. Uh, I think we have to look at Michigan State being who they were, and they were attacking. They knew they could not sit back. They had to come. Uh, I think that plays a role in it. I would really like to see Petit Ferrer in there more. I have not seen him step up yet and be anything more than a great athlete at tackle. He's he's a natural tackle. Uh, you know, maybe he just needs more development time. That's that's just standard for offensive linemen. I think maybe there's the uh, expectations. Just the the just too much is being expected of him this soon. So uh, you know, not everybody's a Thayer uh, Mumford that could they can step in right away and 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 they're pretty much ready to play in their second year. <clears throat> but that's better than than playing Bowen. I mean, that he's hurt again is a concern. You, you know, just for the kid uh, as much as for the team. You know, let's hope it's not that leg again. That's that's scary that his leg might be hurt again uh, after two surgeries. So let's hope for the best for him. We got a week off this week. Let's hope that he is um, he's ready to play. He's healed, and this is not no longer an issue. But if I was having to make make the move, I would still give, give Lobby another shot. And but I'd be have a uh, I'd be ready to pull him quickly and just go with the kid because here's the thing if you're going to have somebody out there making mistakes let it be somebody younger somebody who's going to learn from it somebody you're going to get something long term out of uh, you know throw him in there and and let him make mistakes and see what happens that that would be what I would do I would not put Bowen back in the game if he's hurt especially if it's that uh, same leg. People often discuss when is a good time to have a bye week. There's no bad time to have a bye week for these kids. They get to rest. I like the idea of everyone cooling their jets for a little bit, kind of like a third of the way through the year, and that should certainly help guys like Bowen heal up. And if not, like you said, they're going to have to figure out a more long-term solution at right tackle. Speaking of long-term solutions, it was a huge recruiting weekend in the shoot. We had a ton of dudes there. We're going to focus on a few here. Obviously, we got to hit running back recruiting. It would not be the BM5 or Bucknuts without discussing with the class of 2020 and running back recruiting. We've gone from Bijan Robinson and thinking we're getting two backs to now there's even discussion of just taking possibly one. Kevontae Bradford from Texas was in over the weekend. I thought the crystal balls would be rolling towards Ohio State afterwards. The only one I saw was towards Wisconsin. Uh, starting to hear that Steel Chambers and Marcus Crowley have really impressed the staff, and they feel like they may be able to bridge it. And they may just take a third down type back, and a guy like Jameer Gibbs, Mayan Williams, the Ohioan who was thought to be big on the Buckeyes after getting the offer. Now we're hearing he may not want to flip from Iowa State. Dwayne, 
can you do what others can't make sense of class of 2020 running back recruiting for the Buckeyes? Uh, no, it's it's all over the place. Is it it what it is appearing? It just kind of feels like uh, high state saying, I don't know. Uh, let's 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 look around a little bit more. There's just something not clicking that these guys, uh, two guys that came in here, both just seemingly w- one of them was going to commit. It just seemed like it was. And uh, it just, Bradford didn't make any sense. Like you said, the only crystal ball that came out of that was one to Wisconsin. And, you know, Bill Green saw Williams after the game and said that he didn't get a good vibe coming off of him. Well, okay, what's wrong here? It just seemed like maybe they wanted do a redo all together. They just don't want anybody that they have on the board right now. We're not hearing about any other kids. I, I don't know. And I think that it really does go back to satisfaction with uh, with what's in the, in the running back room right now. Uh, I, I don't know about everybody else, but Steel Chambers has impressed me. You know, I didn't like him as all, all as a running back off his junior film. I thought this guy is going to be a great linebacker. Take him and get him to switch. Well, the senior film, he looked better as a running back. There's no question about that. And on the field, when he's, you know, uh, this year, he's even more impressive. He's he's getting it done. I don't see him moving a linebacker, especially under the circumstances. <clears throat> And maybe that changes your thinking. It could mine. I absolutely believe that Dobbins is going to go to the NFL. It's not a great year for running backs. He's having a really good year. Uh, Teague would be a starter. Uh, it was said in the booth uh, in the Michigan State game that he would be starting in, in, in most other places around the country. And then you've got Kroll and, and you've got – uh, Steel Chambers coming in there, looking like he's ready to play football for us. Give give us uh, some good refs at running back. So maybe it's not the pressing thing. Don't reach. In the end, don't reach. Even if it means not taking anybody, don't reach. You, you know, you don't reach at Ohio State. It just because he's not going to play here. If he's not going to play here, what's the point? You still got Demario McCall back there. Jalen Gill was a running back in high school. Not the right size, but, you know, if you really needed him, you got him to come in there. So maybe maybe you just uh, leave it alone and don't try to go out and, and get a guy who's just going to be there for emergency. Just, you know, don't do it at all. So we'll see what's going to happen here. This is, this is a little crazy, and it's kind of fun. The one thing we haven't considered here, if they don't think a guy can come in and have any chance of beating out Steel Chambers or Marcus Crowley at any point in time in their career, and they have an eye and an in with a 2021 guy or two that they love, uh, which could have happened over the weekend, there were some great recruits there, then it would make total sense to me. Because if you're not going to have a bell cow in the class and you want to take a, a Jameer Gibbs type, that's fine. But in terms of an every down back, if you're not going to ever have a chance to beat out Chambers or Crowley, who do who look like guys that can handle the load a little bit, I would I would encourage them to to skip it. Here's what I would not encourage them to do: skip quarterback. And C.J. Stroud, the Californian, was in this weekend. 
got the offer he wanted, and the crystal ball started flowing. Not surprising. Now we have to wait and see how it affects Jack Miller and the overall quarterback recruiting for the class. Your thoughts on Stroud? Uh, he said he's going to take a bunch more visits, but it does seem like he's trending towards the Buckeyes. Well, I, I like where we're at, and I really want this kid in class. I believe with the, with the uh, portal, quarterbacks are always going to transfer, even before this. And now they're really going to be transferring. So you take two and keep one. That would be my strategy always. And then you've got this problem. Let's not overlook the elephant in the middle of the room. I love Jack Miller. I think he's a five-star. I think he's as good as any quarterback's been recruited here outside of Fields and and maybe Haskins. <clears throat> you know, uh, I, I would say Haskins. Is, I or think about the running aspect. Yeah. Just kidding. Yeah, oh, you got for Joe Burrow in there. Now you do. Well, uh, I love Jack Miller. But Jack Miller is not staying healthy, Dan. He's continuing to take knocks. And let's not ignore that. You say, well, it's going to be a while till he's here. Yeah, but if he keeps getting hurt, that means the guy's injury prone. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, uh, a, a line that came out of Trent Dilfer a few years ago was uh, the most uh, – valuable thing that a quarterback can bring to the game is availability. If he's not available, it doesn't matter. we got to take this in consideration that Miller can't seem to stay healthy. So, you know, you, you take two anyway, even if not for the the uh, possibility of a transfer. you you got to take two uh, with his tendency to get hurt. He's getting dinged all the time. So, you know, if a guy's injury-prone, he's injury-prone. You don't hold it against him, but you also uh, prepare for it. Had a little fun last night. I think there were some conflicted Ohioans as they watched Monday Night Football and saw Nick Bosa torturing Browns quarterback Baker Mayfield. For Bosa, supposedly a guy, some think he quit on the team last year. For a guy who quit on the Buckeyes, he certainly seems to be harboring a lot of Buckeye love and anger towards Mayfield. I thought that was a hilarious exchange. We also got a chance to see last night what Nick Bosa is when healthy and in a great situation. I would also like to add that that doesn't hurt recruiting to have a San Francisco 49er being quoted heavily about being a Buckeye. Your thoughts on Nick's kind of coming out party nationally last night? That was, uh, I can't remember the last time that I saw a lineman dominate a game like that. I mean, he just completely changed how Cleveland played football. You notice he was less effective in the second half. That's because they had to get the guy health out there. Boza was destroying him. And, And the flag plant, come on, that just, if that didn't bring a smile to your face, you're not a Buckeye. That was just exquisite. And right there on national TV, and you know Baker Mayfield is going to be asked about it, and what's he going to say? Yeah, uh, yeah uh-huh. Another thing where I was an ass, and now I'm paying for it. I love Baker Mayfield. I, you know, I've heard Brown fans complaining about him here and there, and I'm like, send him on over to Pittsburgh. Ben's about ready to retire. Yeah, well, come on, send him on over. We'll give you a late-round draft choice for him. Send him. 
be happy to have him. But he's also, you know, uh, don't uh, don't talk it if you can't walk it. So you know, you take it when uh, when somebody gives it back to you. And that was just that was just beautiful to watch. And and he did torture him. That was a good work. Good torture him. Just <laughs> dominating performance. And like you said, that shows what he's he is looking like. The better of the two, both of even though Joey is still outstanding, uh, it, it just because I don't know how many fans out there saw the the San Francisco Pittsburgh game. He did the same thing to um, uh, Mason Rudolph. Just was in his lap all night. So uh, uh, the guy is just as right now as dominating as there is in the game. So, uh, yeah, last night was exquisite. And as you said, that's not going to hurt recruiting one bit. And considering the fact the next defensive end picked highest in the draft will also be a Buckeye, I think uh, recruiting and future recruiting should go quite well, and we've seen that. It's a good time to be a Buckeye. We appreciate you stopping by. Have a good one, Bucknutters. Bucknutters.